We're in Philippians 2. We're going to pick up where we left off. I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 4. Verse 5 says this, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to humble yourself for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you stepped out of heaven and into humanity. Thank you, Jesus, that you put on the the towel of a servant. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to, to take our shame upon yourself. And Lord, I pray today that you would just knock the pride right out of us. Forgive us, God, when we are prideful. In Jesus' name, amen. As I read this passage um, all week long, I was not able to have my books, my computer, all the things that I usually depend upon. I had a Bible and a notebook was all I had for most of the week. And so I would read this passage, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 times a day and just kind of make notes on it. And where I came to about Wednesday, and and I, I say this with all honesty, my biggest problem in my life is pride. My biggest problem in my life is looking at myself. I am convinced that if I can get today's message, I was driving from first service to second service, and and I just I was praying. I said, God, man, if you would just give me this, God, just give me this this one thing, God. I'm convinced my life would be good. I mean, it's good now, but I'm convinced that that, that God, you, you would do incredible things in my life if I could just keep my eyes off of myself and on Jesus Christ. Man, this is, this is the heart of the gospel right here, what we have this morning. And it's, it's the opposite of everything that you know. You know, everything that you know, everything that you, you've been taught and trained by the world says this. You need to get up. You need to step up. You need to get over people. You need to, get, you need to maneuver people so that, so that they, they do what you want them to do. Everything that you've been taught says, man, you need to exalt yourself and you need to compare yourself and you need to get more and you need to get filled up and you need to get people to serve you and you need to learn to, 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 to manipulate people so that you can get them where you want them to be. That's everything that you've been taught. I'm convinced that if I were not a preacher, what I would do is a professional guilter. Because that's the, that's the second best thing that I'm good at, okay? Uh, you know, in my sinful nature, that's what I'm... I'm good, at, I'm good at guilting people. I'm good at throwing out little, little sideways curveballs that people don't even expect to make them feel bad so that I look good. I mean, that's what I am in my sinful flesh. And that's what we're trained to be. We're trained to say, what about me? Hey, I deserve this. Hey, you need to treat me in this way. I mean, that is ingrained in us. And Paul is wishing to knock this out of our life by showing us a picture of the happiest man who's ever lived, the most effective man who's ever lived, the greatest man who's ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus in his humanity, in his 33 years on this earth, showed us how to live. And friends, you can sum up Jesus' life in one word, humility. Humility. Jesus humbled himself. Now, what does that practically look like? 
Well, we saw in verse 1 of last week's sermon, chapter 2, verse 1, Paul tells us, hey, is there any encouragement in Christ? What's the answer to that church? There's a whole bunch, isn't there? I mean, aren't we encouraged in Jesus Christ? He asked the question, is there any comfort from Christ's love? You better believe it. Is there any participation in the Spirit? Yes. Affection? Yes. Sympathy? Yes. Uh, And so here's what Paul says. Complete my joy. Create an atmosphere of joy in your church and in your family. How? Verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's humility, friends. Humility is when I am preoccupied not with me. Not with me. When I'm not constantly thinking about what do people think of me and, 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 and how do I look and, and, and comparing myself to others and, and what do I need and what do I deserve and how should my family treat me and how, how should I be perceived. When we're not preoccupied with that, that's not even on our radar screen, but we're preoccupied with something bigger and that something bigger is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the glory of God and the needs of others. When we are preoccupied with others, we begin to get what humility is. And Jesus, more than anybody else in 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 the universe teaches us what it means to be humble and we're going to look at that this morning beginning in verse 5 notice in verse 5 jesus teaches us that humility begins with a big step down okay now i know what you're thinking nobody wants to go down do we i mean again isn't that against what we're what we're trained to think is we don't want to take a step down we want to take a step up right i mean that we want to get above we want to we want to be greater than others i mean that, that's what we're taught that's what we're trained by the world but jesus takes a step down now where does he take a step down from that's very interesting verse 5 have this mind among yourselves which is also yours in christ jesus who though he was in the form of god where where did jesus take a step down from he's in the form of god jesus is god i'm happy to tell you that this morning i hope you already knew that but if you didn't let me tell you that's who jesus is jesus did not begin in bethlehem you may have heard the story about christmas about jesus being born in bethlehem to a little over two thousand years ago they, that's a true story that happened but let me tell you that's not the beginning of jesus jesus is eternal jesus has lived in perfect fellowship with god the father and god the holy spirit from eternity past jesus is omniscient he knows everything. Jesus is omnipotent. He has all power in the universe. Jesus spoke the world into existence. The world was created through Jesus Christ and Jesus steps out of the heavens and he is found in the, in the likeness of men. Verse seven and eight says he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. Jesus takes a step out of the heavens and and, and is born into humanity to be like us, okay? Now, what was that like? What was that like to take that step? Man, I don't know that there's any way we can figure that out. Because I can't imagine what's it like to be the eternal God of the heavens. No idea. I mean, I can't even imagine. Well, what is that like? What are the privileges of Godhead like? I mean, what, what is that? I mean, there there are privileges for being certain things in this in this world, right? If you're the boss, what kind of privileges do you get? Well, I don't know. Depends, you know. Some people would say none at all, right? Others would say, well, I got a coffee cup and I got my own office, you know. Or, or some would say, well, I get the complaint department. I mean, what, what are the privileges? But what are the privileges of being God? You know, the God of the universe. Myriads of angelic beings, each one powerful enough to wipe out a nation, praising, enjoying your glory forever and ever. I mean, Jesus is God and he takes a step out of heaven and into humanity. How big a step is that, man? I can't fathom. 
I mean, I was trying to think of examples. I was talking with Pastor Daniel on the way back. I was doing my sermon yesterday while he was driving. And I say, man, you know, what are examples of stepping down, you know? And here's ones that we thought of. Well, it's like going from a starter to a bench warmer, you know? I get that. I was a bench warmer, so I, I can understand that. That's a step down, you know? Going from a starter to a bench warmer. How about going from a supervisor to, to the bottom man on the totem pole? We could probably fathom that in our mind. How about going from, from, from 70 degrees in the mountains of Colorado to 105 in the Bay Plains of of Oklahoma. We get that. We know what that is. We know how what a step down. How about going 75 on the interstate to going 10 feet per minute on the interstate? You ever done that before? You ever run into a traffic jam? You know, we, that's a step down. How about staying in a beach resort versus sleeping in the van? We've done both those. That's a step down. But we don't have any capacity, my friends, to comprehend what was it like for Jesus Christ to step from the glories of heaven into humanity. Let me ask you this. Do you ever take a step down? Or are your steps always up? Do you ever take them down? Do you, do, you, do you ever give up a privilege? Do you ever give up a right? Do you ever give up a comfort? Do you ever give up your way of doing things? Your, your glory, your exaltation? Do you ever, do you ever will, Now, I'm not saying does anybody ever push you down, okay? I, I get that. That's a different deal. I'm saying do you ever step down? For the glory of Jesus, do you ever step? Missionaries do this all the time, don't they? They step out of the first world and into the third world that they might be able to take the gospel to, 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 to the world. But here's the thing. If we're going to get Jesus' humility, then we've got to stop clutching on to what you think you deserve. What you think you deserve is deadly, okay? That's a deadly thing. What, what do you think you deserve in life? No, notice what happens here with Jesus, Okay? Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. You see that? That's in verse 6. He did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. What, what does that mean? That means Jesus let go of the privileges of his divinity. He didn't let go of being God. Okay, don't, don't think that. Jesus was always God. Even in his humanity, he was God. Do you remember the, the times in the Bible where we saw little glimpses of Jesus' divinity? How about the transfiguration? Peter, James, and John, they go up on a mountain with Jesus. And all of a sudden, they look over and Jesus is blazing in glory. What happened? We got a little glimpse of his divinity. Okay, or, or how about uh, in John 18 where uh, the soldiers come to get Jesus? This is a cool story. Soldiers come to get Jesus, and and and, and they're like, hey, "Are you Jesus the Christ?" And Jesus says two words, "I am." Remember that? I am. Okay. What happens? Man, the soldiers fall down like dead, you know? Why? Because Jesus said the divine name. And he's got to almost get them up. Hey, guys, you're supposed to handcuff me. Here, you know, you've got to take me away. I mean, we see these glimpses that Jesus never gives up his divinity. But you know what he does? He gives up the privileges of his divinity. What if he hadn't done that? What if Jesus would have come to earth... And what if he would have demanded what he deserves? Well, think about that. What does he deserve? Well, he deserves it all, doesn't he? I mean, he deserves all praise and all worship and all glory and all servants and all all allegiance and all love and all devotion and all affection. I mean, if Jesus had simply come into humanity and and, and, and demanded, and, and again, he deserved it. He could have done it. It would have been right. There would have been nothing wrong with the king, the creator of the universe coming and saying, I'm here. And your knee would have hit the ground and your voice would have would have belted out praise and, and your life would have been devoted to him. I mean, that's what Jesus did. Deserved, but Jesus didn't do that. 
Can you fathom why didn't he do that? He did not do that because God's plan was for him to be the perfect man, the man that you could not be, that I could not be, and for him to live in humility for us to see. And so instead of coming in and demanding what he deserved, Jesus came quietly into the world speaking truth, exercising patience with hard-hearted sinners, allowing the world he spoke into existence to reject him and to ignore him and to mistreat him. Friends, let me ask you this question. If Jesus did not demand to be treated as he deserved, do you or I have the right to demand that? Now, this is a good question. Please think this through. Do you have the right? Because we do this all the time, do we not? Let me, let me tell you how you're going to know if you do this. If you get angry, okay? If you, get, if, you, if you have flashes of anger when you don't think you're being treated as you ought to be treated. You know what that's a sign of? That's pride. That's pride. If we have these little, little tirades about, hey, you know, I, I deserve... Well, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? What exactly do we deserve? Do you find yourself saying, you know what? I shouldn't have to say I'm sorry. And I shouldn't have to carry the whole load. And I shouldn't have to put up with this nonsense. And I shouldn't have to pick up after everyone. And I shouldn't have to hold it all together. Well, where do you get get this concept that you should or shouldn't have to do something? Where do you get that? You know, know, should Jesus have had to step out of the glories of heaven? Absolutely not. You know why? Because he's God and he deserves all praise and and, and all glory. But let me ask you a question. What, What am I? If Jesus is God, then I am a sinner. And I am a transgressor, and I am a lawbreaker. And, I, and, and you know what I deserve? One thing. You've heard me say this before, church. What is it? What's the one thing that Jason Dirks deserves in this life? And it's hell. That's what I deserve. Now, you can try to argue with that, but I, I dare you to find it in the Bible. What else do you deserve? What else have you earned? What else have you worked hard for, and, and, and you got it all on your own, and you did it all on your own, and so not, there's nothing There's nothing I deserve besides hell. And so it's really arrogant of me to demand that of other people. To demand that, that, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm better than, I'm I'm too good. You you need to treat me in a certain way. Verse 7 says, Jesus emptied himself. It says he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. You know, have you ever thought about this? That for 30 years, Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, lived on this earth and nobody knew who he was? You ever thought about that? Oh, a few people, but I mean, by, by far the, 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 the planet didn't know who he was. I mean, you've got all the power of God Almighty residing in this man. Nobody knows it. You know what's interesting? You and I can't hardly be in a room 30 minutes without telling everybody about all our greatness, can we? Be honest. Don't we want to do that? Don't we want to tell people about ourselves? Don't, don't, I mean, you know, I mean, we just do. I mean, that's part, I mean, we want to try to make ourselves look good. And Jesus goes 30 years. Nobody knows who he is. He didn't demand anything. Can you imagine? Here's what I, I wish we had some stories from his childhood, don't you? Wouldn't that be kind of fun, you know? I mean, how about the other big boys in the village? There's always big boys and little boys, you know? So Jesus at one time was a little boy. You know, can you imagine the big boys? Hey, squirt, you know? Hey, little shrimp, weakling, you know? Man, the, the power to rip every atom out of their body is in one word, you know? What does Jesus do? He lives in humility. Isn't that beautiful? How about when the Pharisees are saying things about his mom? Remember that in the New Testament? They're saying his mom was a loose woman. 
It takes a lot of power, does not? To hold back. Jesus lived in incredible humility. And, and, and that humility was not because he didn't know his strength. He didn't know his power. It's actually the opposite. He did. You know why most of us aren't very humble? Is because we're trying to be. Man, I, I see this with kids all the time. You know, especially young, teenage kids. Man, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to puff up. This is who I am, you know. Uh, I'm, they're trying to, to make their identity. Jesus just knew who he was. John 13. This is a beautiful passage. This is the passage where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he says in John chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. Okay, what did that verse just say? Jesus knows what's in his hands. He knows what's his. He knows, he knows what's been given to him. He knows where he's come from, and he knows where he's going. Jesus knows his identity. Therefore, verse 4, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. He takes a towel. He ties it around his waist. He pours water into a basin and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus steps into humanity and then he steps even lower into the form of a servant. That's what verse 7 says. Verse 7 says, But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You know what a servant is? A servant is someone who is preoccupied with the needs of others. That's what a servant is. A servant always has his mind on the needs of others. You know, one of the reasons that we go to Journey Quest, I know I'm talking about a lot. I talked about a lot at the beginning. I'm talking about a lot now. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I've been this week. But the reason we take kids there is we want to build leadership in them. And you know what we have found? Leadership begins through learning to serve other people. Leadership is not just being the best at something. Leadership is not being out front. Leadership is learning to carry the burdens of other people. Leadership is learning to help other people be who they ought to be. Leadership Leadership is learning to build other people up. Leadership is not just running out ahead. I mean, that's just not what it is. You know, on the, on the trip, we've always got these young high school guys and young guys. We got Pastor Daniel this year, this physical specimen of muscle, you know. And, and man, could he have run ahead of the kid? Yeah, he could have. He could have run ahead of some of those kids. He, you know, they could have said, hey, there's Pastor Daniel. He's way up there. On a, you know, he could have been like, follow me, you know, like this, way up on the mountain. You know what would have happened? Some of those kids would have not made it to that summit. You know why? Because that's not leadership. That's discouraging. Isn't it? You know what leadership is? Leadership is the guys that come around to the back. Hey, let me carry your pack. Hey, you know, there's all kinds of methods. People, they pray for people. You know what? You know what? One of the best methods when you're when you're doing something like that is telling stories. And man, I love. We had some of our older kids who would come back with a younger kid, and they'd tell them a story. And it was just really kind of cool to watch. It's cool to listen to because here's what it sounded like. So, let me tell you a riddle. The riddle. You have a man and. They find him, and he's on the forest floor, and he's dead. I mean, it takes a long time to tell a story that way, you know. And, and it distracts him, you know. That's leadership. Leadership is, you're, 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 I'm going to get you, I'm going to help you to the top. It's serving. And you know what we find is that when people begin to serve, you know what happens? Harmony begins to happen. All of a sudden, these kids that have never really had, you got seniors, you got eighth graders, all of a sudden, they begin to gel and mesh. You know why? Because there's humility and servanthood happening. As soon as it stops, I've seen this too. As soon as the servanthood and the humility stop, the relationships are broken again. But isn't that exactly what Paul just told us? Can I back you up a little bit? Chapter 2, verse 2.
2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord. Full accord means intent on one purpose and of one mind. What's he saying? Be in unity. Friends, how do you be in unity? Well, keep reading verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you not look to his own interest, but also the interest of others. That's servanthood. Have the mind of Christ, verse 5. I mean, I mean, that's how you get unity. Men, how do you get unity in your family? You know, it's leadership in your family is not turning around and saying, guys, can't you get it together? If you all would just be like me, if you'd all just be awesome like me, then we could be good as a family. Now, let's go. You know, you know what? You're going to look behind you. And nobody's going to be coming. OK, but when you start serving your family and you, you humble yourself and you take a step down, you, you, you go down, you, you, you. You, you, you're not preoccupied with you. You're preoccupied with the needs of others. You're going to begin to see unity in your family. You're going to begin to see harmony in your family. Verse 8 says that Jesus, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know, it's interesting that humility and obedience go hand in hand. You ever wonder that? Humility and obedience. Why? Why do humility and obedience go hand to hand? You you know what? Because when you don't have humility, you're going to do what you want. What are you preoccupied with? You, right? It's really hard to be obedient to Jesus without taking your eyes off of yourself. But Jesus steps out of the heavens into humanity and then into servanthood and then into obedience to the Father to death. And notice what it says next. Even death on a cross. You know what death on a cross is? That's a shameful death. Most of us spend most of our lives trying to avoid shame. Right? I want you to know all my junk. Because that would be, I'd be ashamed. You know what Jesus did? Jesus took your shame. He stepped clear out of heaven right into your mess. And then he takes it for you. Are you seeing the beauty of this, my friends? This is the gospel. Why why aren't you rejoicing? I mean, Jesus steps out of heaven into your shame, all the way down. That's a huge step into your shame, into your messy life. And he takes all the bad into himself. That's humility. He humbled himself. He allowed people to think he was a criminal. He allowed the people to think that he was unrighteous. He takes your shame. He actually takes the penalty of your guilt upon himself. That's humility. Now, I am fully convinced that some of you, even after having said all of this, because I know it's in my heart as well, we're going to struggle to be humble. We're going to sing a song and, and as we're singing the song, we're going to be thinking about what are people thinking of me. And as we walk out, we're going to be thinking about what we deserve and how, how our afternoon better go. I'm telling you, this is rooted deep in us, people. Is it not? It's rooted deep in us. And, and, and God's got to knock it out. And I think one of the ways he's going to knock it out is by showing you these next two verses, okay? We're all pretty hedonistic, so maybe this is going to help us, all right? Are you ready? Where does humility lead to? It's good news. Verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. 
so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. A very important word in that verse is the first word. It is therefore. What is therefore? What's that that indicate to us? Therefore indicates that because Jesus was humble, because Jesus takes this monumental step out of the heavens and into humanity and into servanthood and into, into death and into a shameful death and obedience to the Father, because Jesus takes that step, because Jesus is, is, is humble in his life, God, God has taken Jesus who stepped immeasurably low and has exalted him immeasurably high. God has done that. Jesus did not do that for himself. God has done that. God has exalted Christ so that one day, and friends, this day is coming soon. One day, Jesus Christ is going to be glorified by every lip on the planet, every rock on the planet, every blade of grass on the planet, every animal on the planet, everything in all the universe is going to in unison exalt that Jesus Christ is Lord to God, to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue will confess it. Every knee will bow. You say, well, I've got this uncle and he's an atheist. And I'll tell you what, he'll never bow. That dude will be on his face exalting Jesus Christ when he is revealed. Jesus has been lifted up by God the Father. Now, let me ask you, does that have any application for us? We're not trying to be Jesus. I'm not saying that. But Paul wrote this passage for a, in, a, in a very particular way. Okay, it starts out again in verse 1. Where he's saying, guys, you've got all of this in Christ. You're full in Christ. And so be harmonious, right? Be unified. That's what verse 2 says. Verse 3 says, here's practical humility. You need to count other people more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, he says, let, let, the, let, let your interests not be about your own self, but about others. And then verse 5, he says, have the mind of Christ. You need to think like Jesus. You need to have the perspective of Jesus. What perspective is that? He let go of his divinity. He let go of the privileges of his divinity. He steps down into humanity. He doesn't clutch like a toddler. You guys have seen toddlers, right? With those little slimy fingers. When they get a bug or something that they, that they, that they want to eat, you know, and they're trying to get it in their mouth and their mom's trying to stop them. She's trying to pry their fingers. Okay. You, you got to let go. You got to let go of what you think you deserve. You got to quit clutching onto it. And because Jesus let go of his privileges, what he really deserved. You and I don't deserve anything. What he really deserved. He lets go of that. And he becomes a servant. And he takes your shame. Your worst thing. Jesus bears it. He carries it. One of our groups took a rock at the base of that mountain. And they called it their burden. And they carried it to the top. And when they got to the top, they threw it off. That's kind of a cool analogy, isn't it? Jesus took your burden. He took your worst thing. Now, as we are humble, what's the result of that? I think God is teaching us that he will exalt us. You see, when I said you got to take a step down, some of you, us, me, we don't like that. We don't want that. But listen, what God's telling you to do is if you'll take a step down, he'll, he'll exalt you. Is there any support for that in Scripture? There is. First Peter chapter 5. Listen. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. 
Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. What does it mean to clothe yourself with humility? Wrap yourself up in it. Isn't that a great picture? I mean, wrap yourself up in humility. Wrap yourself up in being preoccupied with God and with others. Okay? Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. Did you hear that? Whenever you've got pride in your life, whenever you find yourself comparing yourself to others, whenever you find yourself saying, I deserve this, whenever you find yourself in this church and you're, you're angry because somebody didn't say something to you or someone did, didn't do something, you got put out and you're all puffed up about that, let me just tell you, you are an enemy of God the Father. That's a scary thing. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, now listen to this, friends. You're going to get excited. This is one to go to dinner on. Are you ready? Humble yourselves. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may, are you reading it? Exalt you. At the proper time. When's the proper time? Are you asking me? Now. Are you asking God? Well, I don't know. You know, let's let him deal with that. But you know what this verse is saying? If we'll just simply get our eyes off of ourselves and put them on others and put them on the glory of Jesus and and realize we don't deserve anything. Let go. Let go. Just open your hand up and let go of what you think you deserve. You know what God will do? God will exalt you. You believe that? It says it right there in the scriptures. Paul said, have the mind of Christ. He, He humbled himself all the way down. The barrier shame and God lifted him all the way up. It's already happened. We've, we've got a great model. And here's the deal. Will we trust him? Will we trust him? Oh, you'll be such a blessing to people if you'll just trust him in this. That family that you're at odds with, man, that'll get better if you'll just serve them. You ever thought about that? Anybody, you guys at odds with anybody? Your family, your kids, brother, sister, parents? Wife, husband, man, if you'll just, if you'll just humble yourself and serve him, it'll get better. I'm not saying all your issues will be solved, but I'm saying it'll get better. And, and all, you put yourself in God's hands. And he, he takes care of you now. He'll exalt you. I say we trust him. Let's ask God to give us this, shall we? I want God to give me this. Give me this, God. Give me this kind of humility. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to, uh, God, just to give us a humble mind. Give us the mind of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'd let go of what we think we deserve. I pray, God, that we'd stop clutching on to trying to position ourselves to be, to be exalted. But, Lord, just help us to become servants. Help us, Father, to, to even bear the burdens of others gladly. Lord, that we might trust you to lift us up. We might trust you to take care of us in the proper time and the proper way. Father, we trust you. Lord, Holy Spirit, just give us this. Give us humility. We want it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.